Blog Talk Radio. Pause I Am Radio with your host, Robert Brining, sharing stories from across the United States and around the world. To join the conversation, call 929 477 3572. That's 929 477 3572. Each week, we'll bring you our exclusive HIV scoop with Josh Robbins and your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause I Am Radio. And good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. Today, I am flying solo. Uh, my co-host, Brady Dale Morris, is uh, feeling a little under the weather, so we're sending love his way and hoping that he uh, recovers from uh, not feeling so well. Um, I know he uh, probably was dying to be here to speak to our guest today because we were speaking a little bit before um, about it. So um, today's guest is an amazing woman uh, who I met a few years, many, many years ago, actually, um, probably when I first started a little site called Pause I Am, uh, when it was a social network. Janine was one of... Uh, I think one of the the administrators, one of the people who were active on the site, she was very active um, in her activism, but fairly also new in her activism at the time. So um, Janine was somebody who uh, inspired me to kind of go on the hill. She was one of those uh, go-getters, uh, loud voice uh, from what I remember at conferences, uh, always somebody who I had a good time with uh, when we went out uh, shopping or we went out just to you know, have conversations standing out front of the hotel, maybe smoking a cigarette or, or just, you know, during a break, during a session. Uh, the conversations that we had were always real. Um, hanging out with her, I think the last time I seen Janine was in 2012, was probably at the International AIDS Conference in Washington, D.C., when we had the pleasure of actually hanging out with and meeting Jamar Rogers, which was really cool. I remember getting pizza uh, with Janine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good times I've had with Janine. So uh, she kind of disappeared for a while, but she's back. A lot of you maybe remember her from YouTube. She was HIV chick. Uh, so please help me welcome uh, my friend and uh, fellow advocate Janine Brignola to the show. Hello, Janine. Hello. Hi, welcome back. How have you been? I have been good. Um, really good. Just Took some time off for, I think, self-reflection and really just trying to figure out who I am. Yeah, you know, self-care is really important. I took some time off, too, after um, the International AIDS Conference. Like, I think you were actually – I was looking uh, at previous episodes because I was uh, wanted to listen to kind of hear how things have changed over the years because you're somebody who's been on the show. This is your fourth time now on the show. Um, I was looking back at the archives, and you were on the show in December of 2010 with Jeremy Dunn when Jeremy did the show with me. And then in 2011, uh, October, you were on with Jack McEnroff, and Jack did the show with me. And then you were one of my last shows before I actually took my own self-reflection break in 2013 when Aaron did the show with me. So you kind of sat with every co-host that I've had so far. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I know. I feel special. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, you know, self-care is really important, um, I, and I kind of want to I, I wanna talk about that, and I guess we can kind of start with that, um, of, you know, you were somebody who was very active, you were on the board, you were blogging, you were, you were everywhere doing videos, um, you know, interviews in magazines, I believe, uh, from what I remember. I just remember you being so vocal and then kind of, you know, you just kind of disappeared. 
So what, what kind of transpired there? What kind of, uh, I guess, made you choose to take some time for self-care? Because it's really important, and we don't do it as activists. Honestly, um, I was traveling all over. I was speaking. I was doing all these things, and I was kind of being heralding, heralded as, like, this amazing activist in person. But I was also a closet alcoholic, and I got a DUI in 2012 and basically I just sat back and I went to court for this DUI and the judge looked at me and she said you've done a lot of good for a lot of people and you've tried to help a lot of people why don't you help yourself Mm. and kind of just stopped and I paused and looked at my life and I was like you know there are a lot of activists and advocates and there's a lot of public speakers and there's a lot of motivational speakers that it's a big market big bandwagon and a lot of people jump on it because it's easy in some ways and I never set out to become what I did I just was really upset that no one told me that I should be someone that should even worry about catching HIV and essentially I just sat there and I was like you know what kind of message am I sending if I'm not leading with integrity if I'm saying one thing but behind closed doors I'm not practicing everything that I would tell other people that they should and so I felt because of the person that I am and the way that I operate and how big integrity and honesty are to me that I needed to get myself into a place where I was as healthy as I was advising other people to be in all areas yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, when I was going back and listening to your previous archived uh, interviews with me, one of the things you always brought up, and it's amazing that you already said it within two minutes of being on the show today, <laughs> is, is honesty and how honest of a person you are. You know, but sometimes it's hard to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so you took that reflection and, and decided to take time for yourself, right? Yeah. And what made you decide to come back? Because there's, you know, I, I don't know how deep you want to get into what you were into, or you know what I mean, uh, after you left the activism however, world. But it's up to you. However, you know me, I'm very honest, <laughs> and I will. <laughs> there's not a lot of limitations. So. Right. Um, so, so yeah. Tell me, what did you get? What happened after you left? I saw that you're you're doing hair. I mean, I have to also I, say that the, the obvious change um, is, is the way that you look. You've lost over 120 pounds. You look amazing. Um, when I saw your picture you. pop up on Facebook, um, I was like, is that Janine? Like, <laughs> like is, that, is that the Janine? So, like, I had to go back. And then, of course, like, I was going through and I was like, no way. And then I went and found pictures of us, uh, older pictures of us. And I was looking at them. And I was like, holy crap, she looks so good. So, first, tell me, what did you do to – how did you lose all the weight and, and, and tell, tell us? Because, you know, people are, 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 one of the things people are saying are how beautiful you are and how amazing you look and how you've, you know, really transformed just, you know, physically, but I'm sure also inside as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I think you and integrity really genuinely are, like, the most sincere qualities to me. So being authentic with who you are, with the message that you give and that you say to other people and the way that you represent yourself. So when I decided to quit drinking and I had looked at everything that 
I was able to accomplish and everything I had done with my activism and traveling all over and speaking. And I, I knew how big of a reach I had. I knew the opportunities I had. The last time I came to D.C., I was actually standing at the bar, and I remember it like yesterday. And, um, oh, my gosh, I can't remember his name right now. But um, Robert Tuttle and I were sitting there, and we were talking about Googling ourselves, and I had never Googled myself, and I did. And I found this website that someone created on Encyclopedia Dramatica, like just ripping me to shreds, putting me down, saying that I was a plague on existence, like I should die, all these things. And I felt so hurt because why would, would a, a human being say that about another human being? Like, at the end of the day, no matter what, whether you agree or disagree with things they do, who they are, et cetera, and so on, like, we are all human. And Robert looked at me and he goes, that just means you made it, honey. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and I was like, you know, but that's not, that's not what I want to be. Like, I made it, but again, like, I'm a closet alcoholic. I'm this, I'm that. And so when I took that time off and I really paused and reflected on everything, I decided that if I was ever going to come back, that I was going to be everything that I tell other people to be and that I encourage them to be. And I had um, a life coach for a little while, and she said to me at one point, she goes, you know, having HIV is just part of your journey. She goes, look at you. You've lost 120 pounds. You've been sober for almost seven years. You are living with HIV. You're thriving with it. You are intelligent. You're confident. You run five states at the time. You know, you all these amazing things. Like, you need to be a motivational speaker. You need to go out and you need to inspire other people because people that have been through the things that you've been through, and that, you know, including, like, being in a car accident and being in a wheelchair and learning how to walk again and you know, having been raped and like all these things that you've gone through and experienced and overcame and people need to hear that message. And I think that was in, I don't know, March or May, March, April, May, the end of April, May of this year. Of this year? Yes. And I had been thinking about it for a long time. Um, To be really honest, I had a corporate gig where I was not allowed to really have opinions on certain things um, or it was frowned upon. I mean, I can do whatever I want, but it was very much so frowned upon for me to have an opinion on certain things um, right. or for me to say things. Um, one of my bosses knew, they knew that I had HIV. I had finally admitted that at around the same time to them. And I had already known that they knew, but nobody said anything other than a couple of bigoted comments from a coworker. But she goes to me, well, just keep that separate from this. You know that, obviously. And I was just like, who am I? Like, how did I get here? You know, I went to school. I graduated. I went. I got a degree from a private university. I was super excited because when I was doing all my activism, you know, I was in Nebraska, and people were like, you're by yourself in Nebraska doing this. And I'm like, yeah, it really kind of sucks. And they're like, you know, you just need to get a degree and you need to get some experience and then you'll be able to move and you can get a job in like the, the HIV AIDS sector and it'll be so much easier for you and blah, blah, blah. And people had all these opinions about everything. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, I'd come back to Nebraska and I was on this little island by myself 
where there were maybe three other people in the state that actually gave a crap. And I was sitting there shouting at like, you know, as loud as I could, just trying to do everything I could to make people understand and care about this and realize that it's an issue that needed to be addressed. But I just got burnt out. I just got tired. And so I, I took, you know, I, I took my degree. I went and got a job. I went and did this. And I said, okay, you know, I've gotten sober. I've lost all this weight. I've done all these things that make me feel like I can actually be a role model and that I am leading with integrity versus just telling people to do something that I'm not doing. And I'm ready for this. But I was in a position where I'm like, okay, what do I do now? Because I need money. I need a career and I need to be able to either move or what am I going to do? And so I kind of was floundering and the guy that I had been dating, um, a long complicated story that I don't want to get too much into but he died in June and when he died I decided I sat back and I just said you know I go to work every day with a stomach ache I'm not allowed to have an opinion I'm not allowed to be who I am I'm not even allowed to like do things the way that I want to do things in certain ways but I'm the only person in the country that's been able to get every single school in her territory on a functioning bi-monthly calendar and I have rocked it with an 89% retention rate and a hundred percent survey score year to date. Like I have shown what I'm capable of doing and I need another challenge and I need to be who I am and I need to be accepted for who I am or not even accepted, but allowed. And if they're not going to accept it or allow it, then it's way too short. Why am I doing it? And yeah. So, you know, that's funny. Cause the Janine Brignola, I know I can't imagine her not having an opinion. <laughs> Oh, and you know, it's funny, uh, I posted something on um, on my Facebook yesterday, um, it was just like a picture and it said, what would you do if somebody disclosed to you that they had HIV? And one of the girls that I knew from work put a comment on there and I read this and I said, how did she even, how was she able to, to understand this on this level? And her comment to me was, I don't know how you kept quiet while under the corporate thumb. I admire your ability to be who you are now and who they wanted you to be while you quietly built a small empire for you and your small family. That takes strong persons to silence themselves at every corner and be someone who you know you're, you aren't and you have nothing to hide. And wow. it was right. And I said, now I just want to know your story because how do you know that? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, and that's like, but that's basically like, that is what I felt like I did. And I, I literally felt like my soul was being crushed every time because it was just like, I remember the first time somebody said something about it. Um, my coworker, we were sitting there teaching a class and she goes, she made a comment about like blood pathogens and spills if there's a cut. And she goes, well, AIDS and looks at me and I go, it's not AIDS. And I'm just like, whatever. Like, I'm not going to say anything, you know, I'm just like, whatever. And then like two seconds later, she said, she said something else. And then she goes, well, you know, we Google people here. And it was right after I had started. And it was basically her passive aggressive, unhealthy way of telling me that she knew that I had HIV, which I knew that. And just the, the entire time that I worked with this individual, like they did everything they could to try to, 
discredit me. I was like, you know, screw it. I've got over two years experience. I've got a proven record of what I can do in the business world. So now I'm going to take that and I'm going to go apply it to what I want to do. And I'm just going to do what I want. And either the money will come or the money won't come. I've got a kid to raise. So I worry about certain things like healthcare and insurance and retirement and 401ks and all of that stuff because I have to. We all have to. But you know what? Like, I will never again quiet my voice for someone else's comfort level. Oh. That's something we all need to do. Speaking about your son, how old is your son now? 11. He's big. He's as tall as me. Oh, my Lord. 11. I saw some pictures, I think, that, that you posted, and I was like, he was so little when I saw him last. He was probably like six. Five. I think he was, yeah, like five, because I brought him to the award dinner. Yeah, he was so cute. I remember. Yeah. Huh. Now he's this big, huge kid with an opinion, and yeah, it's wow. great. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. So how 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 is he with? Um, you know, let's uh, let's back it up a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, your story uh, for somebody maybe who may not be listening. Or may, who may not be listening now, or, or hey, who have not heard your story before in the previous shows, let's talk a little bit about uh, when you were diagnosed, because you actually found out that you were positive 12 years ago, and you were actually pregnant um, with yeah. your son. So can, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about um, kind of how you found out that you were positive? I was pregnant, and um, I got a call from the doctor about this, and they said they needed me to come in. And I said, what do you mean you need me to come in? I said, you're scaring me. And um, they were like, we just need to run another test on you or something like that, or we need to speak with you about a test. And, again, I said, you know, you're scaring me. I don't know if I can drive there. I might crash trying to. And so illegally on the phone, uh, the woman was like, well, you're HIV positive. And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, And so... From that, and I, um, um, someone that worked for the state, and I found out that the individual that infected me had infected um, a dozen other women or so, and years ago that um, in Omaha that he knew he had it. Um, people had put flyers, like, all over the city with this picture, and they oh, had, wow. he moved to Florida after that to try to get away from it. Um, I ended up talking to the news reporter that uh, had confronted him outside of his work um, and asked him if he was HIV positive because he was not telling people he was and he was sleeping with them and infecting them. And he was not in, you know, in care on medicine, undetectable. Um, So kind of long story short, I had been abstinent for about two and a half years before um, I had gotten pregnant and I had been with two men. And so I knew like it was only one of two people without a doubt. Um, And I knew exactly who it was, obviously, because of what they had done. Um, And kind of, I, I don't know if I shared this in the past, but I've done hair since like 2001. I love doing hair. It is my art. I love it. And I'm very creative. It's my creative side. And I am completely 100% your typical uh, stereotype of a stylist left you know, right brain, creative, kind of quirky individual. Um, and 
I had, I was working at a salon at the time when I found out and I actually quit my job because I was so scared that if I cut myself, I would infect someone. And so it was a really long journey because my, my two passions in life, like my two greatest passions are like helping people, doing advocacy, activism, doing all of that. And then hair, I love it. And I thought like that was just off the table for me. I didn't understand anything about it. So I left that side of like, I don't know who I am or whatever you want to call it um, for quite a while. And I kind of, I went back to school. I did a a myriad of different things um, following becoming positive. But the first thing I did was the first doctor's appointment that I had, I walked in and I looked at um, my doctor who's still my doctor and I said, this is not supposed to happen. Why did no one tell me it could? And it honestly literally just went from there. Um, I remember when I had my blocks on MTV, I literally just wrote to the people at MTV. I wrote to them one time, one email, and I was like, hey, I need to talk about this. Like, you need to hear about this. People need to hear about this. This is not okay. And then they had published those on World AIDS Day, I think in 2010 it was. I don't even know. It was a long time ago. But I um, basically was just angry. And that is how all of my activism, everything happened. And the fact that I wrote to MTV one time and they wanted me to put blogs on, on, you know, for them, I was kind of, I took that as a sign of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And so when I couple that with like all the experiences that have led me up to like right here where I am right now I know with every like ounce of who I am and every part of me that this is what I was put here to do like this is my calling this is my purpose this is what God created me for and so the fact that like I left it for so long is kind of insane but that's my story I mean it's it's not something I wanted to do. It's not something I chose to do. And I tell people, like, whatever your beliefs are as far as spiritually, religious, whatever they may or may not be, the way that I feel is that things are put on your heart for a reason. And if you listen to them and you follow those, like, you end up where you're supposed to be regardless. So I can look back at my life, and I know a lot of people, I've, I have friends that I have met, like I know a guy here in town that I met with one day and he was talking to me about writing a book and he works with like the Susan Buffett foundation and nonprofits for the bank, for a bank here. And you know, he does like seven states and we were sitting there and we were talking and he goes, you know, if I didn't know you, I would think you were making it up. Like no one's been through the amount of things that you've been through and then can sit in front of somebody and look the way that you look and have like, you know, carry themselves in the way that you can. And I said, but people can and people do every day. Like, right. Specifics, right. The specifics that, like, the details of what happened may be different, but those underlying feelings, those are the same. And it might be something that can be deemed little by someone else that might be huge to a different person. But the underlying feelings are always going to be the same. So, what you take with those things and you do with them. So yeah, I've had all these different things happen to me and I've lived through them and I've overcame them and blah, 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 blah. That's great. Okay. So now I want to take those and I want other people to understand, like, it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what hardship or adversity you're facing. Like 
you can take it and do anything you want with it. And that's where the anger came from. Like that's where the, the desire is all the time. People feel like when you tell them that you're positive, like there's something wrong with you. You must be a junkie, a whore. You're incompetent. You're stupid. Like some, they treat you like something is wrong with you. I have a, another friend in California that is a doctor. And when I told him some of the things that I've had said to me and ways that I've been treated and I've disclosed to people that I'm positive, he was he just couldn't believe it. Like, he goes, I'm at a complete loss. I can't even believe that people still do that and act like that. And I said, well, you got to understand where I'm at. I'm in Nebraska. Like, that might not be everywhere, but that is a lot of places. And that's why people have to talk about it. So That's, that's right. Let's take a, I just want to take a quick break real quick, Janine. Um, I want to play this week's HIV Scoop with Josh Robbins, and then we'll come right back, okay? All right. There you go. So we'll be right back uh, right after this HIV Scoop. This is the all-new HIV Scoop with Josh Robbins, exclusively for Pause I Am Radio. This week's buzzworthy sexual health news in under two minutes. Here's Josh Robbins with this week's HIV Scoop. Well, hello, everyone. I hope you're having a great week. Robert, Brady, everybody. Brady, I feel like you've just been traveling all over the globe. So proud of you. Glad that you're my buddy here in Nashville. All right, if you stop taking HIV meds, will HIV rebound at the same rate across your body? It's a good question. The answer is no. Combined antiretroviral treatment in patients with HIV does not prevent viral load rebound in semen after treatment is paused. This is according to a new study published online in the journal AIDS. With this in mind, the investigators wanted to compare the timing of HIV rebound and its level in blood and seminal plaza after patients discontinued antiretroviral therapy. What was the result? Rapid and intense HIV RNA rebound observed very early in both blood and semen. Keep that in mind if you decide that you want to pause your treatment. All right, some weird and embarrassing news out of New York. Okay, so the city is currently spending around $23 million to promote HIV awareness. That's a good thing, right? They made promoting PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis, a central focus of a $23 million investment in fighting AIDS. And they recently kicked off a campaign to get more at-risk women whose HIV infections in the city have increased as men's have decreased to take the drug. Again, sounds good. Here's the problem. Some of the city workers who tried to heed their employer's advice and get a prescription for PrEP Well, they were in for an unpleasant surprise. Some of New York City's health insurance plans do not cover the very drug its health department has evangelized. And Council Speaker Corey Johnson, who's living with HIV himself, is not happy. The mayor's office is pointing to the labor unions. The labor unions are pointing to the city. And it's all just a hot damn mess. I tell you, I love some real-world New York City drama. But honestly, guys, this is kind of embarrassing.
Life isn't meant to be perfect. It's meant to be lived. Freely. Boldly. Fearlessly. It's meant to honor all that we are. Vibrant. Beautiful. Resilient. And HIV positive. Yes, the road can be tough. But it's worth it. We are worth it. And our stories matter. Together, we are redefining what it means to live with HIV. We are accepting ourselves, loving ourselves, and caring for ourselves. Fully and openly. Because making thoughtful choices enables us to live the lives we want to lead. Together, we are facing every challenge and celebrating every success. We are looking toward the future with purpose and promise. And we're showing others what is possible when we, when we, when we are positively fearless. And there you have it. Thank you, Josh Robbins. Uh, for more information on the HIV scoop, you can go to imstilljosh.com. And um, that was um, the Positively Fearless campaign that I'm a part of. So for more information on that, you can go to uh, PositivelyFearless.com. Um, Janine, are you there? I am. Hello, hello, hello. So um, before um, we we went to break, we were kind of talking about um, – you know, you leaving, coming back, taking breaks for yourself, and how, how it wasn't the way you planned it, but it's the way that it happened. Um, you know, in the beginning, you spoke about, uh, in, in the very first interview you did with us, you spoke about people who kind of reached out to you, um, and one of them was actually Dab Garner, and I actually just got to see him this past uh, summer, or this past September, like two months ago, actually, down at a uh, Positive Living Conference in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, he... Uh, yeah, he's one of those. He's still he's still doing it. He's still out there. Uh, he received an award down there. Um, like uh, I think it was I, I forget what kind of an award it was, um, but uh, he, he, an award for his activism for doing it for so many years. And uh, it's just you know he's still there, and it's just so awesome to see him. And I remember um, we were talking about you for some reason when we were there, and I, I don't remember what it was. But somehow I felt that you came up because we were talking about the old, like sitting out front of. Um, uh, what do you call it, the Westin, when we were doing the ADAP Advocacy <laughs> Association and having conversations and how we would just sit there and chit-chat all night, you know, and those real conversations are just, you know, kind of worthwhile. Yes. Do you still um, talk to any people um, from the activism world, or are you just, like, fresh back, like, here I am, this is it? Um, kind of a long story. Um, I'm like, did you say in touch with anyone? Maria, probably a little bit, um, but I kind of just disappeared, like, from everybody, not even just, like, my activist advocate friends, like, from everyone. The funny thing, though, real quick on a side note, I still have my dad the age there, and it's actually sitting on my vanity that I sit down at and put my makeup on, so that's, that's kind of hilarious because he's sitting there. That's but, funny. Um,
a lot. And not only just from like my activism world, like I said, but from pretty much everyone. Um, and, you know, of no fault of this individual, like, if you're, un, if you're not healthy mentally and you don't know that or don't admit that and don't seek the help that you need, um, sometimes the people that love you are impacted in ways that are not healthy for them until it just it, it happens. If that makes yeah. sense. And so I think that's a big part of it. But um, no, I just kind of disappeared. Kind of went down a rabbit hole, finished school, and once I was done with school, just set out and was set and determined to make sure that I did whatever I needed to do so that when I found the right opportunity in the HIV AIDS world, that I could take it and then do that because that was my goal. Like, right. You, as an activist and as an advocate, like, you don't make I love totally money. understand. Like, I totally understand. They're all about you got to have a degree. You got to have a degree. And, right. you know, you went back and got right. a degree and you're still like, I have a degree now. What? <laughs> right. And so, like, especially, like, for me, being in Nebraska and feeling like I was on this island, away from everybody else, like, I'd come to D.C., I'd do all these things, and I was like, all this opportunity is there, but I don't have a degree yet, or I don't have this, or I don't have that, just like you said, you know, like, you have to have this, yeah. or, you know, I had a friend that was doing her doctorate at Harvard, and she's like, but you have to have the letters behind your name, and I'm like, you know what, I get it, well, I'm like, all right, now I have a degree, I have, like, three years of corporate jobs that I can actually show you what I'm capable of doing, right. um, so I have measurable, you know, results and data. And now I can take that and I can find my dream job in the HIV AIDS sector, which is what I'm hoping to do. And I'm actually applying for a job on Monday. I just finished my cover letter and I'm praying because I don't think I measure up to the women that work at the organization now as far as uh-huh. like the letters behind my name. But hopefully maybe they'll look at me and think that I'm qualified enough in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally hear you. So listen, I got a few questions from Twitter. Uh, okay. One person asks, um, how did you tell your son that you were HIV positive? He's always known. I've always just told him, like, you cannot touch mommy's blood. Um you cannot touch mommy's razors. You can't do this. Um, and when he was little, I used to just tell him that mommy has bugs in her blood that you don't have. And you don't want the bugs in your blood that mommy has in her blood. So this is why you can't touch these things. Right. Now, do you, if, do you kind of, like, revisit that as he gets older and have, like, a different kind of a conversation with him? Because, you know, now he's 11. He's maybe, you know, yeah. probably really yeah. smart, isn't he? And yes, yes. <laughs> um, like eleven thought, going on twenty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so much life experience. Like I've taken him protesting, I've taken him marching. Like I've right. brought him to DC, I've brought him to award dinners. Like that's one thing I'm very big on. My child is like making sure that he understands this is a very big world, and that there are a lot of issues in this world. That being very aware of like what he does and the the cause and effect. And everything that like relates to the actions and choices. Um, but he, 
now, like, I had a conversation with him just the other day, and I asked, you know, I said, would you be embarrassed with, like, kids in your class knew that, mom, that I had HIV? He goes, I don't care. He goes, I would tell him to shut up. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure. I said, if, if somebody tries to be mean to you because of it, and that was a really big thing for me, is, like, I didn't want people to treat him bad because of me. Right. He doesn't want HIV, but you know how it works. And, right. Um, he was just like, Mom, I don't care. I'm like, all right, cool. I don't care either. So we're good. <laughs> That's awesome. So another question um, coming from Twitter is, is HIV Chick coming back to YouTube? Yes, I'm back. <laughs> I, so is it already up? I launched, yes, I launched the channel. I don't have any videos because I am waiting. I honestly, like, I was very nervous about doing it just because I thought, Nobody cares. Nobody's going to remember who I am. But, (laughs) you know, this little voice inside my head is like, you know, Janine, like, you know how many messages? Do you remember how the messages you got from people thanking you and telling you, like, I wanted to kill myself before I found your channel? And, like, that is one of the biggest things, like, on a side note, like, one of the biggest things for me was when I wasn't doing my activism and advocacy, like, I would tell people, there's nothing in the world that will ever equate to somebody telling you, like, you help them on that level. And yeah. so this little voice in my head that was just like, no, you can do it. Like, people, you know, maybe somebody will care. Because especially, like, now, like, everybody does Instagram and social media and Snapchat and YouTube and people want to get paid for it and gamers want to do Everybody yeah. wants to do it for, like, profit. And so I'm just like, am I, like, are people going to care? So I launched it, and I'm just waiting for a couple people to give me some ideas on what they want my first episode to be about. And once I get enough, I'm going to put it to a vote, and I'll go from there. And I'll do every episode that people, like, ask me to. And you know, like you said, honestly, like, there's nothing off limits, literally. I will talk about anything, um, honestly, and I will help however I can. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm waiting for. That's awesome. So, so of course, there's the one that, are, are you single? Yes. <laughs> dating so there. Okay, dating after 30 is like, are we going to do this or not? Because you know what? Like, <laughs> I do have other things to do. And guess what? I'm 36 years old. I want a baby, and I want to be married. And, like, if you're not on the same page as me, it's not happening, and I don't care if I have HIV or not. Honey, I am fine, so you better bring something to the table. Right, that's right. That's right. I hear you, sister. I hear you. So listen, I want to also talk about this. You know, since you, you, you took some time off, you come back, there is this new message out there, you equals you. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this, you know, new campaign that's kind of out there? Or are you familiar with it, first of all? I've seen a little bit about it, but I don't know what it is, and I haven't done any research, like, into it. So, honestly, I can't sit there and say, like, that I probably know enough to comment on it, but I would be (laughs) more than happy to come on that. Yeah, you should definitely look it up. It's, uh, well, U equals U. It's uh, undetectable equals untransmittable. There's um, the Prevention Access Campaign and our friend here at the show, Bruce Richmond has put together this campaign with uh, tons of others, amazing acts, 
activist um, called U Equals U, um, and it's about spreading the message that if you are on treatment and undetectable, um, you can, you know, uh, have sex and not pass it on. There's been studies done, and it's this new message. The the, uh, Department of Health has, uh, the CDC has put out the message, so it's official, that if you are undetectable and on treatment, uh, you cannot pass the virus on to your sexual partners. And it's just amazing breakthrough kind of um, message that's happening in the last, you know, two years. And it's kind of amazing. So, yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. You should definitely check that out. So, okay, I think I know more about it than what I thought. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, obviously I know undetectable is untransmittable. Right. So for me, like, that's something I obviously speak on, but it's not – something I knew was the actual campaign. So I will have to look it up. I'm glad you told me. Yeah, no, it's amazing, amazing. And another thing I do want to, um, you know, because we're basically kind of, you know, I'm a little older than you. I'm going to be 40 um, in May. Um, but, um, you know, today is actually the anniversary of um, Pedro Zamora's passing. Um, he is uh, the gentleman who was on uh, Real World. Yep. Um, San Francisco back in the day. Yeah. So if I could just talk a little bit about him. Uh, he passed this year in 1994. He was a Cuban-American AIDS educator. Um, he was the first openly, uh, first openly gay man with AIDS to be portrayed in, po- in popular media. It was on MTV Real World, um, San Francisco. It was, I remember it just humanized the disease and really made people listen. And um, I just kind of wanted to remember him on, you know, the today because there was so much work that he started and um, it kind of really inspired me to be um, an activist uh, I guess and, and I'm sure many others but do you remember watching him on Real World? Yes. It was a very 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 long time ago but yes. I yeah. <laughs> 94. Jeez. I was, we're old. <laughs> yeah we're, get, we're getting old honey. It flies by when you're having fun I'll tell you that. Right. Well, Janine, thank you so much for coming on and, and, and joining us. And welcome back to the HIV World Activism. It's so good to have you, and I'm giving you a big hug. And I can't wait to see you at a conference. Thank you. And I will be you got to get together. Time. Yeah, check out Healthy Voices there. Conference. You might like that one. I will. Thank you. I'll send you information on it. I will. Okay? You have a, okay. a good rest of your Sunday. All right. You too, Robert. We'll talk to you later. All right, honey. Love you. Bye-bye. Love you too. Bye. All right, everybody. And for more information on our guests, you can go to um, the website and we'll be linking there. I want to thank you all for tuning in. And again, I will return live next week with Brady Dale. Thanks for listening to Pause I Am Radio, your dose of hope. Connect with the show at pauseiamradio.com or on social media. And we'll see you next time.